right, boys and girls? Let's do some church. Let's do some Sunday go to meeting. Yeah, we'll get this party going. It's living room time. Got a lot of people that are camping and traveling. Marilyn's out of town. Naira's out of town. Debbie and Noel are out of town. Uh, Sarah, she's out of town with her boys. But hey, you guys are here and we're here. And we just believe that God's going to do some, some breakthroughs. He's going to do some upgrades. He's going to do some hope injections. You know, we come together as a church to worship together and to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We get to do it during the week on our own or with your spouse or, or by yourself, whoever you're with. Um, just you and Jesus in a, in a bag of, uh, you know, granola or you and you and your spouse or your family having devotion times, whatever way that looks, however that happens, you know, you get to strengthen yourself in the Lord every day of the week if you choose. And then when we come together here, this is just like the powwow. This is our opportunity to come together. And God always does something unique when we have corporate gatherings. It's, it's kind of like a corporate injection for him to, to surge into us what is on his heart. And it's our goal, it's our aim as a church to listen for his heartbeat, to hear, to try to hear what he's saying to our church and to the, the, the global church in this season that we're in right now. So hopefully we're tracking. I think we are. Uh, you guys can weigh that out for yourselves. But uh, yeah, so we're going to start out with just a quick announcement. I'm going to read a little scripture and then we'll dive right into worship and see what happens after that. You guys good? All right. It's cozy. It's a cozy bunch. You guys can always scoot closer if you want. Oh, by the way, this is the cold section because that AC blows right there. Tammy said she wasn't going to sit there, but you're going to stay. Okay. And then that's the warm section, unless you're in the back row over there. Just so you know, it's like, don't want anyone having hot flashes and turning into a puddle of sweat. So, all right. Next Sunday... Those sweet people in that picture, Charlie and Lori Gosler, are coming from Oregon. They live in Portland. They are sweethearts. They are powerful people. They carry a really wonderful anointing and gift. Um, I don't know what else to say other than I did take a snapshot. I, I shared this picture once, I think, on our little church messenger thing. Not everyone, I'm sure, saw it, but... You know, he wrote a book that came out of his heart message. And his heart message is going from being an orphan and an orphan spirit person, having, having that orphan mindset, to recognizing that God is our father and he's called us into a relationship with himself as a father and us as his sons and daughters. So this was just the back of the book that he wrote on, on the orphan heart just a comparison between the, the spirit of an orphan and the spirit of sonship. Let's look at that. The spirit of an orphan sees God as a master. Spirit of sonship sees God as a loving father. Orphan, independent and self-reliant. You've got to fight for your own. The spirit of sonship, it's interdependent. We depend on each other as a family and acknowledges need. We're not ashamed to say, hey, I need prayer. I need someone to stand in the gap with me. The orphan live by the love of the law. 
the love of the law. You have to follow the law to the T, and that's the only way you can obtain perfection. And then when you're perfect, then God will love you. That's the heart of an orphan. But the heart of a son lives by the law of love. It's like, no, God loves me first. Jesus fulfilled the law on my behalf. Orphan, insecure, lacks peace. The son or daughter, rest and peace. The orphan, strive for praise, approval, and acceptance of others. The son or daughter, totally accepted in God's love and justified by grace. The orphan, it's all conditional and distant. The son or daughter, we get to have intimacy and draw close to the Lord. Now, you guys all, we've been in this church together as a, as a gathering long enough to where we all know that intimacy with Jesus is what we all want. We don't want to follow rules and regulations and play church and put obstacles in front of each other and expect perfection and performance to gain approval. You know, we, I think we've gone way past that stuff. But there are hints of those things that the orphan heart tries to manifest in us. I know I struggle with these, all of these things at times. My view of God, I have to continuously go to him and say, what am I believing about you that's not true? About other people or myself? Am I only relying on myself and I don't want anyone else to help me or know what's, what's going on inside of me? Or am I opening up and, and being transparent and wanting to walk together? Anyway... And of course, we all know what it's like to be insecure and lack peace. That's that, that one thing that we probably, most of us, deal with regularly because stuff comes against us and the enemy comes against us. And that, that tendency to be like an orphan on your own manifests and then you're quickly like, wait a minute, something's up, something's wrong, I'm not in peace, I'm not in rest, I'm feeling insecure, I need to go to the Father. Does that make sense? So that's just a, a snippet of his book. It's just a, a little slice of what Charlie and Lori both carry. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, you guys can, can be here or bring, bring someone. If you have been thinking about inviting someone, let them know that, you know, it's an out-of-town speaker. Maybe it's your first time coming here, but, you know, it would be, be something that would be worthwhile. And I'm not saying that to drum up a crowd for them. Charlie and Lori could care less. If this was in our living room, they would still come and spend time with us. That's just how they are. So now we're going to read some scripture together. This is Ephesians chapter... Oh, things magnetic. Chapter 1. No, you can't help me, Siri. Sorry. Only Jesus can at this point. Yeah, so we're going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through chapter 2, verse 6. And this is going to set us up for worship. It is the Passion Translation. Ethan's going to help us out by just busting through it. Unless I, like, say, whoa, for a second, you know, then let's pause. But that's dangerous because if I pause on every slide, then we're never going to get anywhere this morning. This will be the sermon, the preach. All right, so why don't you guys stand if you feel like it. Tammy's like, don't make us stand if you're going to go for 20 minutes talking. We're going to read the scripture. We're going to let the word of God minister to us, and then we're going to pray and worship. I promise. Let's do this. You guys ready? This is the apostolic prayer of the Apostle Paul. I pray 
that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. That is good. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. This is chapter two. No, this is still chapter one. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. And his fullness, this is chapter two, his fullness fills you even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. So keep coming to him. This is 1 Peter chapter 2 now. So keep coming to him who is the living stone. Though he was rejected and discarded by men, but chosen by God and is priceless in God's sight, come and be his living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. For now you serve as holy priests offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. So this morning, we recognize that we are seated right now in the heavenly realm. With Christ, we are seated in heavenly places. Even though we are here in the flesh on earth, 
in another dimension. However that happens, we, we don't understand fully with our finite minds. But God, this morning, we come with faith and believing and agreeing with your truth that we are right at this moment seated with your son, Jesus Christ, in the heavenly realm. We are in the throne room with him right now. And we, as living stones, come to Jesus, the living stone. And we come together to be assembled this morning, to be a a temple that rises up, a, a group of people that form one building, one temple, that we could offer up praises to you, that we could be the priests of God, the royal kings and priests that you've called us, that we've come to offer our worship to you. We've come to lavish praise on you, King Jesus. You are the worthy one. You are the highly exalted one. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. Just begin to lift up your praise to him, guys. Jesus, we magnify you this morning. We love you. We give you our lives. We offer our bodies to you this morning as living sacrifices. We worship you now. We don't even need to wait for music. We begin to worship you now. We lift up our voices. We lift our hands. We say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for all that you're doing and all that you've done. We come to lift up praise to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. When I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. And walking among the lampstands, I saw someone like like a son of man, wearing a full-length robe with a golden sash over his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, white as glistening snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were gleaming like bright metal, as though they were glowing in a fire and his voice was like the roar of many rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword, and his face was shining like the brightness of the blinding sun. When I saw him, I fell down at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for restoring us. Thank you, Lord, that you, put your, that you have chosen us and put your hands on us and have restored us to full. Thank you, Lord, that you are good. You give us a hope, an expectant, joyful expectant of something good coming. You know, back in the day, there used to be what there used to be, which you don't see anymore, are door-to-door salesmen. And one of the tricks of the trade of the salesman was once you got the door open, they would put their foot in the door, which comes from a modern expression now is, boy, I'd love to get my foot in the door to get in there. Well, the salesman, once they got their foot in the door, you couldn't shut it. And sometimes the enemy will open that door and get his foot in there. Sometimes we open the door and the enemy gets his foot in there. We do have authority to get the enemy out of there. But sometimes we are weak. Paul said, where I am weak, he is strong. 
If you have a door in your life that's open and the enemy's got his foot in there and you don't feel like you have the strength to shut it, call on the name of the Lord, the one with the bright, shining sun face. Say, Lord, help me to get this door shut. You are strong. I am weak. Thank you, Jesus. And when Jesus shuts the door, it says no man can open that door. So right now, Lord, we pray for each one of us if we have any kind of open door, whether it's to lack, health, or whatever it is. Right now, we ask that you would help us to shut that door. And if we can't do it, you shut it for us, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that our sins are remembered no more and that you hold nothing against us. You have forgotten all of our sins because we are in your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for prosperity and healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Would anybody like to come up? Got some testimonies? No testimonies? No birthdays? No nothing? You got a testimony? Well, I'm just going to speak on your guys' behalf just for a second. So the, the first time that uh, Josh and Amanda, Josh and Amanda, the couple that are planting a church down in California, the first time they came in, Dale had a vision before he even heard them saying that they were going to go plant a church. Um, and I don't know if you want to share that vision. You don't have to, but... And I don't remember exactly what it was that you saw, but that's something new that you were experiencing. Is that correct? Yeah. So in that atmosphere of worship, you were getting a download. God was, was showing you something on your, on your screen, that screen of the imagination. I know it's weird to use that word. Tammy was like, I don't like it when we say, you know, use your, mad, you know, God would shine on your imagination, but that is what that place is. It's like a, it's like a backdrop, you know, it's like a screen. If I say pink elephant, you can see a pink elephant, elephant in your, in your mind's eye, right? You just, it's kind of visualizing something. Well, it's in that place that God can show you things and he showed you something. I mean, if you want to share it, you can, if you don't, that's okay. But you got to come up here though, if you're going to do it. Or I can bring the microphone over there. You want, do you want to share it? No pressure. I mean, don't, you, you can say no. <laughs> that kind of thing is fairly new to me. And so I visualize a lot of things, but that type of thing was a little different. But before they were talking about their plans, I was getting these visuals of kind of hard to describe but basically if it was one or two people which ultimately was probably both of them or their family traveling and going into an area where things were getting kind of darker and it it really was 
almost where it became complete blackness until they, he or she in the vision or they stopped and then the light emanated from them and there was, in the vision it was like creatures, people, uh, animals, or they were dark things but then the light washed over them and they became enlightened light again. So it was as if they were bringing renewal of connection with God to the area they're going to. So I'll tell them to give that a listen. Maybe I'll just uh, snip that part and not cut it out, but copy it and send it to them. Can I speak on your behalf or do you want to say something? Just about your walk, what God's been exploding. You want to share it? Just, you have to look at everyone. You can just talk to me into the microphone. Do you want me to say it for you then? We, I know. That's okay. So, as her brother, I have watched her changing. Like, I'm, it's not just watching. I've, I've heard her changing. She's been sharing stuff with me over the phone. We do a, usually a week, once a week, we'll do a, <laughs> don't cry. Are you looking like you're teary? <laughs> oh, you can cry. It's okay. We got tissues all over the place. No tissues. I'm just hearing my sister talking about how before she wants to do anything, she just wants to go, I can't look at you, go get into his presence and spend time in the word and read the word and talk to him and and ask him questions, right? Yeah, and he's talking to you. (laughs) You're hearing his voice. (laughs) That's, That's what we want for everyone in this room. That is what we all have meant all these years when we say it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. Jesus does not want us to be religious. He just wants us to know him. He wants us to, <laughs> he wants us to have a relationship with him. And there's a bonus. When you come to Jesus, he wants you to meet somebody. He wants you to meet his dad. And he says, now, my father is your father. My dad is your dad. <laughs> and he's not ashamed to call us brother and sister. I actually have a couple of scriptures from what I just said. But, uh, yeah, testimonies. Pop up that slide number 31 all the way to the end, buddy. Something about testimonies, you know, this is important. Huh? They're not there. Well, we did half of it when we opened up. So it's that opening. Let me find it for you. Yeah, this is the message right here. There we go. You're good, man. He's tired. Everyone's tired. You guys, let me just pause for a second. Have you all had a a good week or has it been a rough week or in between? Or a little mix of all? A little bit of both. Yeah. Same here. We've all been in and out of stuff. It's okay. We don't have to put on our, our uh, happy face and pretend. We don't have to put on a mask. We can be sad. We can be broken. You know, the Bible says to weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. 
We're all connected. We are the body of Christ. And one, the big toe, when like I was listening to Galen preaching, I've been listening to his podcast about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit life. And uh, he's like, I had this habit of stubbing my toe all the time. Yeah, he stopped. It, it, it ended. And it's like when you stub your toe, the whole, your whole body is just like, ah, in shock. When one of us hurts, the rest of us feel your pain. When part of us are rejoicing, there's, we can connect to that. In Revelation chapter 19, the scripture says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I really like this quote. I don't know who came up with it. Um, but it's the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's the verse. Therefore, we place a high value on declaring the great things God has done. The testimonies of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus in my sister's life, the testimony of Jesus giving Dale downloads in our worship time, the testimony of Jesus healing measures of healing Tammy was experiencing when you ladies were praying for her out there. The testimony of Jesus this last week when our daughter Isabel was at Bethel Church for a week-long youth conference, and this is, I'm testifying right now for her. She's going to do it too, but I'm just going to give you guys a snippet. The very first morning, 9 o'clock, when worship started, she sobbed, she broke, and she couldn't stop. And she wasn't sad or happy. She didn't know why she was crying, but she couldn't stop. And at the end of the day, she was like, I can't take anymore. And all week long, she's feeling the heaviness of the presence of God. And I'm telling you, she sounds different on the phone. Emily was in the car with us when we did a little uh, phone call. She just seems more talkative about the things of God. And it's like something has ignited that is a testimony. The presence of God fell on one of the girls that they brought, one of the youth group girls. They were praying for her, and she started shaking under the power. And this girl came from a background who, where she's not part of Galen's church, but she came to this. I think her grandparents. And as she was shaking, they were praying for her, and, and Bell's texting me saying, I think she's going to go down. And there she goes. The girl's on the floor having a massively intense encounter with the presence of God. They had to carry her out, basically, yeah. That is the testimony of Jesus. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It prophesies. If he did it for someone else, he wants to do it for you. If he brought freedom for someone else, he wants to bring freedom for you. If he brought a massive spiritual encounter to someone he wants to encounter you and me too so we declare those things we we don't want to hide our testimonies that couple right there you two fits you you guys are packed full of testimonies of what god did in the past and i believe that as those things come back up to the surface and be become declared it's going to prophesy into the days ahead of what God is going to do. I believe it. When Galen is sitting in our living room talking about how the Holy Spirit magneted, magnified him, not magnified, he like a magnet stuck him to the floor in Toronto back in 1994, 
and he could not get off the floor. And he said the Holy Spirit was like a roto-rooter going in and out of his brain, removing things that needed to go, thinking. That's the way he could describe it. I'm sure it was pretty intense. People like him and him himself had to crawl out of the place. They had to be helped up off the floor into taxi cabs, staggering into the elevator at the hotel, climbing into their own beds. And then Galen said, and all I had to do was say, Holy Spirit, come. And the guy on the bed next to him bounced off the bed and started crying, wailing in the intensity of the electricity of the power of God touching him. Della, welcome. It's good to see you. You said you were coming, and you, you did. Awesome. It's good to see you. So we're speaking about testimonies. So when Galen is testifying in my living room about the power of God, not only at Toronto, but when he came home, and the same stuff started breaking out in his church. People started falling off their, their pews, off their chairs, stuck to the floor, wailing, laughing, some of them, whatever was happening, they were having some sort of encounter with the Holy Spirit. Little children, Oscar's age, stood for 45 minutes with their hands in the air, prophesying. Danette said it was like the electricity you feel in the air before a lightning storm. You could just feel it as Galen was ready to, to speak about what had happened to him. And as soon as he said something happened to him in Toronto, the weight of the presence of God, the glory. That word glory in the Bible is the weight, the weight of his character, the weight of his nature. Lancers told me about a, a conference he went to. I don't know if it was Randy Clark or something else, but you said the air was so thick it was hard to breathe. The atmosphere, when the presence of God comes, the glory of God falls in a place it can knock you to the ground. It can make you stagger. It can immerse you and pickle you. I love it, that, that book that uh, Charlie Gosler wrote. He talks about being marinated, being pickled in the presence of God. They do soaking time in their church. They like to soak. It's, they, it's soaking prayer. They just come together and a music's playing in the background and they just rest in the presence of God and listen to what he wants to tell them. So when Galen is prophesying, and he's sharing that testimony, it's prophesying to me. I, feel, I felt so heavy in my living room and I wanted to start crying. I wanted to fall off my chair because I was getting drunk as he's talking about the presence of God coming in that way. I, I want that for me. I want that for us. Because it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. We want his presence more than anything. We don't want to play church and do, do the typical church routine. We just want to come together and encounter him corporately, hear what he has to say, hear what he's speaking, putting on the hearts of, of various people in the room. That's why we open up the mic so we can hear from each one of you if you have something that God is really stirring in you. So the testimonies, we need to talk about the things God has done. We need to remember the works of the Lord and tell them to our children. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. We're not going to go very far this morning. I, I swear, I promise. So I was listening to some podcasts I would, uh, this week. I would encourage you guys, if, if you have an opportunity, to, to listen to the two that I shared in the messenger. It's just what God is speaking right now. I mean, I don't want to just like push everything I listen to out there and say, got to listen to this, got to listen to that. You know, there's only so much time to listen and read and do all that stuff. But I would encourage you to make it one of those things that you give it a, give it a shot and see if, if God will... Um, bring an agreement in you over what Chris Valentin was sharing in that message. I listened to his message on prayer, uh, praying from the throne room perspective, seated with Christ in the heavenly realm, which the Bible says we are now seated in, in the heavenly places. We were singing about it today, prayed about it. And then there was a podcast that I listened to by the Helsers. <clears throat> Jonathan and Melissa Helzer. They're the ones that wrote, you guys know, but some of you don't know who the Helzers are. They wrote the song, No Longer Slaves, No Longer a Slave to Fear, I Am a Child of God, that song. Melissa Helzer was speaking, and she said that in part of the message, she's just talking about her dialogue with God, being real, being raw, not putting on a mask, not putting on this... You know, God is good, God is good, God is good thing, even though you're feeling like you're about ready to crumble on the inside. And in that message, she said that God showed her this orchard, this beautiful orchard. And she's like, and she said it was full of fruit, like massively full of fruit. And she asked the father, what is this? And he's like, this is your life. And the fruit was just like wonderful. And then she saw all of this black inky stuff going up the trees and it was starting to get on the fruit and she is like oh no lord what is that and he said well I didn't type that part down but he he told her that is that is your negativity that is your complaining and she's like what do we do what do I do about it she was panicking in this vision she was seeing about the, her fruit of her life being destroyed by this stuff that was from a negative spirit. He said, just repent. Just repent. That just means change your mind. Just change the way you're thinking about the situation. Change how you're thinking. Stop complaining. Stop grumbling. And that was it. And it just... It was gone. And she said, and I just had to type this up, complaining is to the devil, like the devil loves complaining, and complaining is to him like worship is to God. So in a, in a sense, the devil receives our negativity and our complaining, our, that, that word, our griping, I'll say it nicely. You guys know what I'm thinking. I heard that in church once. You remember that? I remember that. It was a woman preaching. And uh, yeah. You know, when we fall into negativity and complaining about everything, it just shows that we are looking at life from an earthly perspective. There's the earthly perspective. There's the spirit of the power of the air that Ephesians talks about. That's the demonic activity in, in the heavenly realm, the atmosphere over us. 
It's the spirit that is now ruling over the sons and daughters of disobedience. And then there is the third heaven that Paul talked about. The third heaven where he was caught up into the throne room of heaven and he saw things and heard things that were inexpressible. And that is the place that the Bible tells us that you and I have been raised with Christ and seated with him in that heavenly realm right now. We're going to look at some scriptures. Let's do that. Let me find it real quick in my notes so I can tell Ethan what slide. Okay. I think I have it. Yeah, let's look at slide number 15, Ethan. I hope this is it. I'm just going to read it anyway. For the Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of peace to you, the ones who were distant and to those who are near. And now, because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. This isn't the verse, but it's earlier in the chapter. That's okay. So now you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the Holy Ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. That yellow part that I highlighted, because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. I don't know what Ephesians verse it is that uh, we actually read it. Let's start with slide number four. Let's go back to four. This, I, now, I don't know why I didn't see it before. Maybe I was supposed to go there first. Okay, this is Ephesians. This is what we read together out loud. So let me zip ahead. So go drop down about, just, just drop until I tell you to stop. Yeah, go ahead and drop down. And again, don't go too fast though. Hang on, one more. Oh, hang on, slow down. One more. Aha, right here. Okay. So I, I can't read what verse that is. Let me see. Maybe it shows. No. Okay, that's all right. It's the end of it's the end of chapter two, uh, probably right around verse six. Not the end of the chapter, but the end of what I had. God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy, even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins. He united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. How many of you know you've been saved by grace? It's not by works so that nobody can boast. It's a free gift of, of the, the gift of righteousness that God has credited to you, the complete righteousness of Christ by faith, by simply believing in the finished work of the cross. That is the good news of the gospel. He united us into the very life of Christ. I forgot to turn my ringer off. And saved us by his wonderful grace. And he raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. And we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. That is amazing. If we can, we were talking about this before the meeting. If, if we could just renew, my goodness, that's Isabel. She's telling, she's like got all these little updates constantly. If we could renew our mind 
As Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, so we set our minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We set our hearts on things above because we have been, we have been crucified. This is a different, I'm kind of messing it up, but basically he says we have been crucified with Christ. We have been united with him in his death and his resurrection. When you give your life to Jesus, you become one with him. You are now in Christ. God now sees your life wrapped up in Jesus. Jesus is not here on the earth right now. He ascended. On the third day, he rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. From when he will, from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead, or the quick and the dead. I know these old Lutheran creeds, they start to come to the surface. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God right now waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. We are in Christ. We are his body. We are the body of Christ. We are joined to Jesus in a relationship to him by the Holy Spirit, and we are now seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. Maybe it helps if you stop thinking of heaven as being up, because as a song I listened to years ago said, where is heaven if the world is round? You know, is it really up or is it just another dimension, another layer that we can't see with our natural eyes, but we can see with the spirit? I'm not trying to get spooky with you guys and, you know, who, you know, spirit realm, angels and demons, you know, seeing stuff. But it's true. The Bible tells us that there are angels and demons and that we have the Holy Spirit and we have access to the throne room of heaven by the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about the, the importance of having that baptism of the Spirit, that, that immersing, that filling of the Spirit of God. We need Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus said to the apostles and to the disciples in Acts chapter 1, wait here in the city, wait here until you receive the gift that my Father is going to give you, the promised Holy Spirit. He is going to baptize you and equip you to be his witnesses. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be, I want to be, and I hope you guys want to be, a people that are all about the presence of God, a people of his presence. Let's just take a quick look. So, you know, we talk, we go back and forth a lot as I try to try to feel the leading of the Holy Spirit in what, what to, I can talk about all kinds of things. The Bible's chock full of themes. Okay, I can just pull them out of a hat, but I, I want to hear his direction. And so I, I, I try to trust the promptings and the leadings that I get through the week and as I prepare. And so I, I'm probably off here and there, but I think that I, I hit the vein for the most part. At least I'm trusting that I am. You guys can judge for yourselves. You can throw out the bones, eat the meat, as your dad used to say, spit out the bones, eat the meat. Yep, and so, so this is the theme, themes that I felt like he leads us in and out of are these, the subject of being sons and daughters, really knowing who we are in Christ. It's so important that we understand that we're not just sinners that are saved by grace, 
We are not just servants of God. We're not just his slaves. You know, he doesn't want a relationship with us like that where we just are his yes people and we don't really have an affection or a relationship with him. We just do what he says. We obey, obey, obey because if we don't, we're afraid we're going to not be loved by him. So we try to, like the orphan spirit, we try to earn his love by our works. A lot of people, a lot of believers in the world have a relationship with God that's like that. They, they, they are convinced that the only way they can be acceptable and loved by God is if they are clean and perfect by doing it themselves, by cleaning up their life themselves and working hard and harder and harder at being perfect. And Jesus says, come and enter my rest. Come into that place of complete rest and trust in my finished work on the cross. Jesus fulfilled all of the requirements of the law on our behalf. He was the perfect, sinless, blameless Lamb of God. And he exchanged. He, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we who know sin might become the righteousness of God. It's the great exchange. It's the divine transfer. He now credits his righteousness to us by faith. And he took our sin and put it in that ocean of forgetfulness. He remembers your, your sin no more. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says that he, in Christ, he was not counting men's sins against them. That is the message that we are to carry out as ambassadors of Christ, going out and telling people, be reconciled to God. He became sin for you that you might receive his righteousness, and God is no longer counting your sin against you. That's the good news. It doesn't mean that we just go ahead and keep sinning all we want. That's, there's more to it, but we got to start there. We have to recognize that he has blotted out our sin. It's your sin is either under the blood and you can approach the throne of God with confidence and boldness or your sin is not blotted out and you can't come to his throne. You have to be under the blood of the lamb. The story in Exodus is a perfect picture of what Jesus fulfilled on the cross. The blood of the lamb was painted on the door frame of each house of the Israelites. They had sacrificed the innocent spotless, perfect lamb, one for each household. And they painted the blood on the doorposts and then they took the, the lamb that they sacrificed and they, they roasted it and they tucked their clothes into their belt with their backpack on and they ate it in haste, ready to make their exodus out of Egypt. And as the angel of death, the Passover angel, moved over Egypt, all of the firstborn sons of Egypt were put to death by that spirit, by that angel. But any house that had the blood of the lamb over its door, door frame, the angel passed over. So we know that's what Passover comes from. And the Jews celebrate Passover every year. That death passed over their house because the blood of the lamb was over their home. And if you didn't have the blood of the lamb, then your firstborn died. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. His blood has been poured out 
for remission, for removal of our sins. His blood takes care of every single ounce of sin that we could ever deal with. It is blotted out. When you are in Christ, you are in Christ. There is no sin in him. You have now been declared sinless, spotless, and righteous because of his righteousness. That was a long rabbit trail. I have no idea where that was going. Maybe, maybe someone needed to hear that. Maybe I needed to hear that. I'm preaching to myself. Let's do one more verse, then we're going to wrap it up. Let me see here. It's like a smorgasbord here. Okay, we read that. Let's just look at slide number 14. I want to make sure you guys know that we don't want to try to skate around Jesus. There aren't many paths to heaven. There aren't many roads to God. Jesus isn't just one of a whole spectrum of rainbow-covered pathways to the deity or the universe or whatever. No, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. The plan of God is that you and I would recognize that God sees us as sons and daughters of of planet Earth, sons and daughters that were created in the image and likeness of God. If you go back and read Genesis, it says, God said, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. But every creature that was created was created in its own kind. But when God made man, he said, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. The devil doesn't want you to know that. The devil wants you to think you're just worm food. You're just a sack of skin waiting to die and go back into the earth. You're no more valuable than than the gorillas or the giraffes or the fish. That's what the enemy wants, wants you to devalue the image of God that you were created in to the point where you don't even recognize that you are valuable to God. Why else would Jesus... Would, would the Father send Jesus to go into the, this planet as a human being to die a sin, die a sin, die a, a death on the cross for our sin, carry the weight of the sins of the whole world in his body on the cross? Why would the Father allow that if there was nothing valuable about us? He could have just rolled it all up like a scroll and thrown it into some cosmic fireplace and started over. Makes you wonder about some of those barren planets that are... Anyway. um, Yeah. You are valuable. You are made in his image. And it's important for God. God's heart longs for you and I to recognize that we are his sons and daughters. And Jesus came to reconcile us to the Father. That we would have a relationship with him... And as we sang and as Dave read that scripture, I asked him to read that because I couldn't get that scripture out of my mind. And I thought, it's just just so fitting. We're singing about how beautiful Jesus is. And I'm just seeing, as we're worshiping, just seeing the the pictures I've I've read in, in Revelation about his face shining as bright as the sun in all of its radiance, brighter than the noonday sun. And you know, his his clothes glowing and his feet like like uh 
metal glowing in a furnace and his voice sounding like waters rushing, just like rivers of water. I mean, that is an intense but beautiful picture of our God, of our Jesus. And when we see him face to face, we, like John, will fall on our feet or on our faces, just like he did, as though dead. You're going to faint. You're going you're gonna to be like, boom. And you're going to take any crown that you might have in this life and you're going to lay it at his feet. And you're going to say, you alone are worthy. Worthy is the lamb. You have it all. You are the ruler. You are the Lord of everything. We're going to worship him. And when we recognize that he's brought us into this kingdom of his that's going to blow our minds the worship won't, you won't want to stop worshiping. I know sometimes we've talked about, are we going to get bored worshiping all day and night? Like, isn't it going to get repetitious? I'm pretty sure that what God is going to show us is going to blow our socks off to the point where we will never want to stop worshiping. You'll never tire. You'll never get weary. You're just going to be so electrified in his presence I'm going to close with one. We've got to get one more in here. i got like five or six or seven, eight more. Let's just pick one and we'll close with it. Let's do slide 16. This is one of my favorites. So this is from Hebrews chapter 2. And it says, for now, this is speaking of Jesus, for now he towers above all creation, for all things exist through him and for him. And that God made him pioneer of our salvation, perfect through his sufferings. For this is how he brings many sons and daughters to share in his glory. Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy. I think that's what I was trying to say a minute ago. He makes us holy. And as sons and daughters, we now belong to his same Father. So he is not ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as his brothers and sisters. You have permission from the word of God to see Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who, whose feet you're going to fall at as though dead, just like John, the one who has a sword coming out of his mouth, the one whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. You have permission to see him as your brother. That's, that is the most humbling thing I could ever think of in this reality of scripture. I have no idea what God's plan is after this world is all finished, what we're all gonna be doing from there on. Dave's got all kinds of ideas. I can see the look in your eye. I know judging the angels is part of it. That's pretty wild. Okay. Scripture says that we will judge the angels. He's not ashamed of you and me. He's not ashamed or embarrassed. You have been made clean and you have been covered in his righteousness. Why don't you guys stand up? Before you close it, Ethan, put slide number 21 on there. This isn't a scripture but we have to do this. I'm hoping that this helps. This helped me. So 
Everything we're talking about, all of these realities of, of heaven, the reality of the heavenly realm that is very real. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now. There's angels that are servants, that are like winds and flames of fire, and they're ready to minister to you and me. They're in the heavenly realm, and there's all kinds of activity in this third heaven. We are here on earth. Okay, All of this understanding takes faith. I think this was Bill Johnson that said this. I don't even remember where I got it from, but it probably was. Faith is the mirror of the heart that reflects the reality of an unseen world, the actual substance of his kingdom. Through the prayer of faith, we are able to pull the reality of his world into this one. It's kind of like a portal. Dave, I knew you'd like that. This is the function of faith. Faith, I'm going to just kind of re repeat that in my own words. Our faith, when we believe God's word and we believe what he says about his kingdom, that, that unseen realm, when we believe it, our faith is like a mirror. We actually can see the things that God's word talks about and are, are seeing it reflecting like a mirror. Our faith is pulling that reality into this reality. Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come here, your will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. We want the, the kingdom of God, the will of God to come from his kingdom into earth. Faith, our faith is like a, a reflective mirror, taking what we see in the heavenly realm and releasing it here on earth. That is why we make the declarations. The last part there, faith has its anchor in the unseen realm. It lives from the invisible toward the visible. Faith actualizes what it realizes. Faith provides eyes for the heart. I'm going to read it one more time. That is, that's just such a good picture. Okay, this isn't scripture verses. It's just, it's just information to help us kind of picture some biblical truth. So faith is, has its anchor in heaven. Our faith in Jesus anchors us into that third heaven where Jesus is right now. When you believe in Jesus and you put your trust in his word, it anchors you into that realm. And we now live from that invisible space, that invisible heavenly realm, towards earth. So many of us, me included, we live our life influenced and driven by the stuff on earth. My body doesn't feel right. Circumstances don't look right. Everything kind of sucks around me. And it's just influencing everything in my life right now. But God is inviting us to lift our eyes and our heads, lift our faith into that heavenly realm where his kingdom rules and reigns in its fullness. And like an anchor being just grafted there, being planted in that place and living from that realm into earth. Faith actualizes what it realizes. The moment you realize what is in heaven, your faith can bring that into the reality that you're walking in. Faith will provide eyes for your heart. We, we read that in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul prayed that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. Um, the passion says, may, may your um, imagination be illuminated or something like that. Anyway, 
Paul said, may, your, may, the, may God give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, your spirit eyes would be opened to the power that is available, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And it's not just power like electricity. It is the kingdom realities. It's healing. It's deliverance. It's miracles. It's breakthroughs. It's joy. It's hope. It's kindness that you so need when you're face to face with someone who's irritating. It's love when someone seems so unlovable. It's all of that fruit of Holy Spirit. Let's just put our hands out, guys. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. Without you, we can't even understand the things of the Spirit. We can't even understand the things that your word is talking about. But we just say today, we need you. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and that you would illuminate the eyes of our hearts, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that we would be able to see things, see life, see you, see our circumstances, see other people around us, and see ourselves from heaven's perspective. Help us to see, Holy Spirit, show us what it looks like from heaven's perspective to hear. We lay aside the earthly perspective just for a moment if we can. We lay it down and we say, show us. Show us your glory. Show us your face. Show us your will and your plan for us. Show us what the future looks like when it's based in hope of your goodness. Show us what you are dreaming over our lives and over the lives of our children and our friends and our family. Show us the insearchable treasure and the riches of the glorious inheritance that is found in the saints. Help us to see the treasure, the gold that every human being on earth is carrying that you see, that you put in there. Help us to see things from a prophetic, heavenly perspective. And we vow today to give you our mouths to declare what you show us from heaven to earth. That we will stop our complaining about what we see on earth and we in turn will look to heaven and we will say, Jesus, what is your response to this here? What do you have to say about what I'm seeing here on earth? Because this looks really bad. This looks out of place. This is not in alignment with your kingdom. What do you have to say about it? Jesus, what did your blood purchase in response for this? We call it into existence now. We call it forth in the name of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus, we say, let the healing be imparted now. Jesus, we choose to set our gaze upon you, to set our eyes on your course, that we would be driven to see the Lamb of God receive the reward, the full reward of his suffering. We want to see you get the reward for what you paid for, Jesus. So we commit ourselves to that. We commit ourselves to renewing our minds with these truths. We pray, God, help us, transform us, be our strength. In Jesus' name, amen.